Welcome to Piecemeal, a podcast hosted by the Emily Program, where we put it all together for you. Piecemeal discusses topics related to eating disorders, body image issues, and how society may contribute to distorted thinking. Please keep in mind that we may discuss difficult topics, and we ask that you use your own discretion when listening, or that you speak with a therapist as needed. I'm your host, Jillian Lambert. Today, in another recovery story, we're talking about how recovery expands and unfolds over time with a guest who has experienced it herself, Rachel Wilson. Rachel is a dynamic writer with liberal arts degrees from University of Pennsylvania, University College London, and the University of Cambridge. After an extensive battle with anorexia, including admittance to an eating disorder center, Rachel wrote Emancipated Love Junkie, Liberating Myself from Anorexia, amazing book, to embolden others to follow her path toward recovery. Rachel's book is available in print and digital form on Amazon. She writes a weekly blog called Live Free and Happy on her website, which is her name, rachelwillsusan.com. Thanks so much for being here, Rachel. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Jillian. I'm, I'm over the moon excited to be here with you too. So thank you so much for your time and the opportunity to be on this amazing podcast. You're welcome. So we are going to just dive into recovery. Recovery is a hard concept to define, right? We talk about it being a process. It can be messy. It can be nonlinear. It takes time. It takes practice. We know it's unique to each person. We hear terms recovering, in recovery, recovered. The eating disorder community loves to talk about this concept and sort of wrestle with it. There are lots of people who have lots of perspectives on it. And yet when someone asks, what's recovery like? It can be really hard to articulate. So let's approach it from another perspective today and talk about it as it existed and continues to exist for you, sort of that evolution of recovery. So if we can start, take us to the beginning of your recovery. When would you say it started? What was your focus or what were your goals at that time? Tell us a little bit about that period of time. You know, I just love how you set it up just from the get-go as far as it being a very non-linear process. And the way that I, I don't know, I'm a very visual person. And so the way that I think about recovery now is I really think of it as a journey. And if you've ever played that Milton Bradley game life, I feel like it's very much like that. Like I've got my little pink stick and I'm cruising around and sometimes you fall off, sometimes you get back on, sometimes like you add people into your, to your car, but I see it like that. And I see there being so many little steps along the way. Um, to get on the path towards recovery and then moving forward through the path of recovery. So I completely agree with you. It's this convoluted concept, but I actually think it's a really beautiful one. And I think that for me, when I was thinking about like, when did it actually start? Because you're right. It's kind of a question of like, was it in treatment? Was it before? And I feel like for me, I started, um, I put myself into a safe place to head towards recovery the moment that I first reached out. For me, recovery, first and foremost, was about letting go and accepting that I needed help. For me, that happened. I had to kind of reach bottom of the barrel to get to, get to that point because a feature for me of, of my experience with my eating disorder was this control and like, I can do it alone. I can do it alone. I just, you know, and wanting to just feel like I could have my cake and not eat it too and all these kind of things, right? Like by myself. And I think that I reached this really low point where I had that moment of like, actually, I can't do this alone. I, I need help. I need support. And so for me, I see that as the start of recovery. So for anybody who's listening, if you're just, the fact that you're listening to this podcast, to me says you're on your way. Like you're willing to tune in and, and listen and engage and, and that that is all features of recovery to me. 
That's beautiful. It, it makes me think when you were talking about sort of that, I want to do by myself and I, and I, I want to, you know, manage it myself. I, I don't want to have to ask for help. I think that's such a, a connecting feature for so many people in recovery or contemplating recovery that is really fascinating, right? Nobody, nobody breaks their leg and gets a compound fracture and says, I'm going to do it myself. I got it. I can take care of it. Yet with eating disorders, that's so common, isn't it? That it's, it's a, almost a hallmark of the illness that makes us think, you know, we should just be able to find our way out of this and let's do it in the way that feels really comfortable because it's hard and uncomfortable. So I think those two things combine, but it is always fascinating to me that the consistency between people's experience of, I just want to take care of this myself and somehow I should be able to do that. And then I feel bad when I can't do that. But again, broken leg, nobody is like, yeah, just go on home and take care of that yourself. It'll be fine. So I think that's fascinating. I think another reason why beyond control is that you feel like it's shameful. Like, so for me, I, it, was a, it was my secret, right? It was this big secret that I didn't want to tell anyone, pretend to be fine when I was out. And so I think it was also getting past and being like, I've, I've got to say something. And I think that the great part about it was that the moment that I opened my mouth to talk about it, I started to immediately feel better. And I started to think like, why didn't I reach out? Like, because no one's going to immediately judge me and hate me for this. They're actually like, awesome. How can we start to support you? So I think that those two things for me kind of went together. And once I started breaking through it, it was like, oh, actually, this is the polar opposite of what I had anticipated, I think. Absolutely. Yep. That's, that's also a beautiful comment. I think, that's, I think that's true. I think people find that out. If you do reach out, there are people right there waiting to help. Like, oh, I can help you. You shouldn't have to do this on your own. Let's harness that energy and terror and excitement you have towards something else and, and move together towards a different place, wherever that place takes us. How, how would you say recovery sort of changed as you transitioned out of treatment, you know, sort of reached out for help, had this experience of treatment, and then as you transition out of that stage, how did recovery change at that point? You know, I felt like going through treatment, I went to an eating disorder center um, in Los Angeles, and I felt like that was such a pivotal point for me. To me, I see it as the big moment of breaking through rules, education, getting the tools, tools that weren't just about eating, but also about how to treat myself. And so I felt like living afterwards, moving past treatment and being by myself, it was this kind of realization of like, oh, I've got the tools now. I just need to start being able to implement them on a constant daily basis. And every day was kind of this choice of choosing, choosing my health and choosing to continue that. So much went into starting treatment that I wanted to feel like it was worthwhile, that I had come out and that it wasn't just for nothing and that I would really show that I would value my health every day. So, uh, so for me, there was, there was two parts to that. The first part was this whole reaching out to, I saw a dietitian and a therapist on a regular basis. And those touch points became really important to me to maintain a connection. So I didn't feel like I was just, again, by myself. And I think the other part was all about self-care because I feel like in treatment, there was a lot of emphasis that was put on treating yourself well, treating yourself with respect and this idea that you deserve to be healthy. You deserve to be well. And so coming out of treatment, 
I had to try to continue that of, I still deserve to eat. I deserve to treat myself well. And so every day was a process of helping myself to eat by keeping in mind that I deserve this. Even in t- sometimes uh, it felt ridiculous to do so. Oftentimes I felt after treatment, like, do I deserve to eat? Like, do I really? And, and, uh, and it was just kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to eat this and tell myself that I do, which is this idea of, you know, fake it till you make it. That sometimes recovery doesn't feel honest. It doesn't feel natural or whatever. And, and still just going along with it and saying like, Hey, this doesn't necessarily resonate with me today, but I'm going to do it. I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to give myself a bath or whatever it is to show kindness to myself. Yeah. It makes me think of all the, you know, as a, as a treatment provider myself, it makes me think of all the things that I've said to people in treatment and, and in my work in eating disorders over the year, years and, and all of the things that are, you know, my fellow providers say that I know can feel so hard to believe when we're talking to people who are in the midst of treatment. It feels so hard to believe that you deserve it. It feels so hard to believe sometimes that it could actually be better. It feels hard to believe that it will get better, that it won't always feel like this and hard to believe that it, it's okay to give yourself that self-care. It's okay to give yourself that self-love and, and even harder to believe it's critically important to do that, right? There's the line between like, oh, maybe it's okay. And no, this is a really important thing for you to embrace in your day-to-day life so that you can, you can you know, sort of stay well and take care of yourself. So I, I think a lot about that, that we, we encourage people so much in treatment and that it is hard sometimes to remember that those things are all true, that providers are not telling you all these things about self-care and taking care of yourself and how, how great recovery can be if, you know, if we can really keep doing these things we got to do to practice. We're really not just making that up. We, we really believe it because it's true. It's hard to remember that sometimes, isn't it? It's really hard to remember it, which is why I think it is so pivotal to still have connections outside of the center. Because the same as going into treatment, I feel the same coming out that you need support and that it is okay to not do it alone. You know, like coming out, you're used to it in a, in a center of, well, here's your, here's your meals. It's just very structured, you know. So coming out, I think that it's important to have training wheels that are, are in your camp and in your corner that you can lean on to for that extra support or going to alumni meetings and, and those kind of things. And I think that just remembering, I don't know, for me, a lot of times it was telling myself, this might not seem true, but it is true. That was really helpful for me. It's, it might not seem true. It is true. I'm going to, again today, just choose to try to believe it. And again, I mean, it, with it being a journey, it's not to say that every day was perfect of like, okay, now I'm, now I'm there, I'm on it, you know, that you have your moments of slip. But something I truly believe is that even when you slip, and you then get back up and go again, I think that actually makes you continuously stronger. So I think you're getting continuously stronger towards recovery, even though you might have a couple of step backs uh, now and again, that those are all just you getting stronger with your resolve to choose to choose health. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How, so how has your recovery continued to evolve? Your life has evolved. What, what happens next in your story? What next evolution happened for you? Well, I think that for me, it was a lot of repetition. So it's been a number of years now since I left treatment. And I actually feel like you have to kind of rewire your brainwaves. 
I had told myself for years and years, I don't deserve to eat this. I don't deserve it. And, and so it has taken a number of years on a regular basis of, I deserve it. I deserve it. I am enough. I'm a good person. All this emotional side to recovery to where I'm, I've gotten to this place now where those thoughts ring more true. It, it is easier now because I do feel like I've told myself over and over and over again, I am enough. I do deserve to eat. And so it's helped so much with my eating disorder, disorder voice or the inner critic that, that now my inner critic is a lot softer than it used to be. And for me, that was the main reason I went to treatment in the first place. It was actually that I wanted the mental piece, which is why I think your podcast is so perfectly named, you know, that I wanted mental peace. And so I feel like I have a lot more mental peace than I used to because I feel like this whole self-care and acceptance of myself is just so integral to the process of being able to also eat and nourish myself and all of that. I think also another big aspect has been the ability to reframe, reframe negative thoughts as they still come in and to have a different perspective on food. So just as an example, I like to, I, I mentioned I'm a visual person. I like to think about what the food, what happens when I'm eating. So as I'm eating, I like to think this is, you know, the nutrients going up to my brain and, and fueling me and how it feels to feel strong and my heart and where the food is going and what it's actually doing for me on a positive level, rather than simply thinking it in this simplistic caloric intake. And I feel like for me, it's been really helpful to have all these little strategies, which, you know, I think one of the benefits of treatment is you learn a lot of these strategies, but just reframing a lot of those, those negative thoughts and treating myself with loving kindness. I think one of the best things that you can do for yourself through recovery. And I think that this is also helped in, in centers or actually just out, outside with friends is treat yourself as you would treat your best friend. So someone once told me, and it had a huge influence on me of like, treat yourself like, like your child, like as if you were a child. And so now I, I tend to treat myself like my best friend. So if I say something mean to myself, I try to catch myself of, hey, you know what? That's not fair. You're not an idiot. You're not stupid for this. Like it's natural for you to have a bad day or it's natural for you to struggle with this. And I feel like that has also been really helpful in, in helping me to get to a place where I feel a lot more healthy and calm. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. You know, that the, the brain science that's evolved over the past, you know, five or 10 years really highlights exactly what you're saying that we are rewiring. We're sort of laying down new neural networks that it takes a lot of practice to, and a lot of work to lay those down. I, I often use an analogy, like it's kind of like a highway, like you're traveling on one highway on one road, and then you build another one. Well, it takes a while to build a road. They don't just show up overnight. You gotta go through the process of building it. And then you travel on that road. And as you travel on it, you get much more familiar with that route. You can go back to the old highway. It's, you know, it's maybe got some grass growing in it and some trees growing over it. And it's harder to see. You could find it if you really tried. But if you stay on that new highway, you're gonna get really used to that, right? That's what's happening in your neural networks that it takes a lot of practice, a lot of, lot of repetition to get it to be remotely comfortable and, and exactly what you're saying, like believable. Like, yeah, maybe this could work. That's, it's very true. So you had uh, a, a big event in your life, uh, in your recovery, having a child. 
how was that in your recovery? Can you speak a little bit to how did, how did that impact you both sort of mentally and, and sort of your relationship with your body wise? I was definitely a little bit anxious going into pregnancy because, you know, I knew it was going to be a huge transformation and I wasn't quite sure what to expect. You know, um, going back to that control piece, something that I, you know, still struggle with is, is letting go and that surrender aspect. And I feel like going through pregnancy, you don't know how your specific body is going to react. I think I was really nervous in the early days, just as someone who's been through a, a very long-term eating disorder of, is, is my baby going to be healthy? All these different kind of concerns. But to be honest, I felt it was a true, truly beautiful manifestation on the journey of recovery for a few different reasons. I felt, first of all, just this amazing validation of the, the power of our bodies. And maybe validation is, isn't quite the right word, but just it was just beautiful to see that we can put our bodies through so much strain and we can fight against our bodies and fight against ourselves. But our bodies have our backs. You know, our bodies want to support us. They want to help us through recovery. And so for me, it was amazing to see that my body, after all that I put it through, was willing and eager to grow a mini human inside of it. And, and so for me, it was just kind of almost like a, an important piece of a love with my body. And I feel like that relationship with our bodies and, and trying to make something beautiful again after you, you know, you've wounded your relationship with yourself. I felt like was, was actually really beautiful. And additionally, it was really nice to think about food and, and nutrition from a, a different point of view of this is beyond me now. Like, you know, I wanted to try to actually increase my weight and to eat so many good things because I wanted to try to help my baby be as healthy and, and strong and and have all the brain, you know, working right and everything as, as possible. And it was a reminder of what I'm doing for this baby is exactly what I need to be doing for myself too. We give ourselves nutrients so that our brains operate properly and we, uh, we can be calm and our, our memories work well and all these things. And it was the same thing that I was trying to do to the, to the little person that was inside of me. So, so what I went into being very concerned about was actually for me, a, a kind of a daily reminder for those, those nine months, you know, that, that this, this is important. Nurturing ourselves is important and good and not something that we should deny ourselves. So it was, it was all in a beautiful experience and something that I think actually has been just one more of those steps on the road to recovery where you're like, okay, I could do that. And my body can do that. And, and that's okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And really just embracing, I love your perspective on sort of just embracing what happens, embracing the changes, embracing the process, letting your body, trusting your body. I hear that sort of body trust element in your story. That's hard to develop. It's really one of those new roads. Like, all right, body, you got this. Right. And not every day is an easy day. You know, it's the same with pregnancy that every once in a while I'd just be like, oh, wow, this is, this is a lot. I'm eating all this, you know, all this extra food and everything. And then you just have, you know, a period where you just can calm down again. And like, actually, this is good. I, I've got this. So, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm clear that, you know, these, all of these strides and advances towards recovery, like it's okay sometimes to still have those hesitations and the, you know, it is a constant 
building up of that trust that you speak of. And I think that trust is such an important and positive word here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And to underscore that, it is, it's, it's messy, right? Like we talked about before, it's not linear. It, you know, maybe have a couple steps back and move forward and that's okay that we're not expecting perfection and recovery. And what is that anyway? Like we're really looking for how do we live our lives in a way that uh, allows us to have a little bit more of that peace that you were talking about or, or a lot more. And that it's okay if things don't always go just the way you expect. Because it turns out that things often don't always go just the way we expect. Uh, so it's, it is really an important point, I think, to highlight that, that things will, will evolve and we get to be there with it. And I think, too, it makes me think of the, the, you know, the other things that often go along with eating disorders and, and often put us at risk for eating disorders you know, things like social comparison, uh, our brain wiring or our traits that make us a little more perfectionistic or a little more attentive to detail than, than other people. Those continue to be with us in recovery, right? They continue to sort of walk alongside us as part of us. Any themes that you can identify for yourself through the illness and then into recovery that you're like, yep, that's still there. That, you know, my inner critic might show up there. Here's what I do about that. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned perfectionism. And for me, control and perfectionism, they're, you know, little bedfellows. And for me, perfectionism is something that is still with me that I still need to catch myself on and, and remind myself that perfectionism is an ideal that is unrealistic and that I am good enough regardless of where I'm at, you know, and that has actually been something that's come through a lot as a new mom. You feel, oh, I've got this. I'm going to be the most perfect mother. And my husband's going to come home, the baby will be cooing in the corner, and I'll have this amazing dinner ready. And those are the standards that I, I've put myself up against for years. And, and so it's actually been a lot of that same treating myself like my best friend of, hey, Rach, that's crazy. Like, you're, you're a new mom. You know, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay that sometimes I'm a mess, you know? And so it's something that I have still with me. But I think one of the benefits of going through recovery is that you learn how to, uh, you learn self-awareness, I feel like, through this journey. And I think that it also helps you be able to learn how to treat yourself and to treat yourself with that kindness. I've thought this for a while that, you know, um, having gone through with an eating disorder for so many years has been such a grueling experience, but it's also taught me a, a lot as far as personal development. And I think one of those main features that, that I, I have in my life now is a real strong self-awareness and a real ability to like catch myself when I'm like, whoa, like step back, Rachel, like you are being perfectionist here and, and it's irrational and able to kind of talk myself, talk to myself that way. And I feel like that's so important when it comes to this ED voice or the inner critic, whatever you want to call it is, is that we become better at like slow down that's a lie or that's not exactly the truth or is that a fair statement to make? So it's kind of a, a, a negative and a positive t- together in regards to those qualities that we still carry with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people experience that element of it, like, oh, recovery and you know, having an eating disorder is so hard. I mean, that seems like such an insufficient word, but it is just so, these are tenacious, challenging debilitating illnesses that you can get better from and that that is really hard work and people 
almost invariably say like, wow, I know myself better or I understand myself better or have insight that sometimes they find other people in their lives don't necessarily have that degree of insight because you've, you know, when you've gone through hell and back, you learn a lot on the way and, and hopefully can, can continue to, to use those learnings through life. So there is this positive element out of a really not very positive situation, but I think you're right. It's that it's that recognition of like, oh, so this is just sort of how my brain works. And I might be a little bit more perfectionistic than many people are. And I might be more vulnerable to the norms of being the, you know, quote unquote, perfect new mom. And, and really, the, you know, if I get a shower in today, that is like a huge <laughs> win. Um, what a great thing, right? So I think it's, it's really about finding, finding those learnings and applying them going forward. How about sort of, you know, now you've evolved through, you know, the eating disorder and, and going to treatment and coming out of treatment and then continuing in life and being a new mom and, and, you know, looking back, looking back at recovery now and thinking forward to your future dreams, how would you define recovery now? Mm. You know, I'm going to go back to that idea of your highway and the journey. And to me, I feel like I love Carolyn Costin's definition of recovery, and I would advise anybody to take, to take a look at her words. But for me, I really take the emotional side of it the most, and that to me, I see recovery as a manifestation of self-love. I believe recovery is choosing love over hate, it's choosing acceptance over denial, and it's many wins. I used to think recovery was and I, I mean, going into treatment, I had the most irrational expectations and I would always put timelines on things. So uh, going into treatment, I was like, in three months, I will be recovered. And I mean, now it seems like a joke, right? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I've, I've had this debilitating eating disorder for well over a decade, but in three months, no problem. And now, you know, I've obviously completely reframed that where for me, recovery is such a journey of many wins along the way. Sometimes there's pitfalls that you also have, but, and I think that those wins can be beautiful. Like I, you know, it's like one of those college posters that is like, oh, it's not about the, you know, destination is the journey. But I actually think that's really true that you can have these mini wins along the way where suddenly you can wake up one day and suddenly have that moment of, I'm okay with what I see in the mirror. Like, I'm okay with this, you know? And I feel like that can just be a point on recovery rather than this black and white. And I think that it's easy with an eating disorder to see the world in black and white terms. And, and I think that recovery is actually a lot more gray, but a lot of beautiful grays along the way too. So I guess on balance, I would, I would say recovery is about manifesting self-love and kindness to yourself. I agree. That's, that is beautiful. It made me think about how, and I, and I had this experience too, when I was ill, like the eating sort of took so much of my life, right? Like took so much enjoyment and just drained the color out of life in so many ways. And the idea that we like don't get to really be there or be okay or enjoy it until we get to recovery. Like at some point we put on our outlook calendar that says, you know, in three months or six months I'm there. Right. It's almost like giving up more of the time, right? Like here eating disorder, you took this bunch of years for me. Why don't you have all of the time as well until I deem myself to be at the right place in recovery? Just have that too. And so it feels like a, a reclamation, like, no, that is my time. You took enough and I am going to enjoy every one of those little wins that happen and look for them, right? If you look for them, they're there. 
and and you know pick up from the the not so great moments and like okay that happened and I can move on I have I have other tools just like you were saying before there are ways I've learned to deal with this so I hear that in your story it's like oh nope I got a tool for this turns out <laughs> I got a way to figure this out right I think so much about everything that we're talking about is perspective you know and I think that your you know a person's recovery process can be so dark and so negative and and I think that you know the reason why I actually wrote my story is that I felt that there was a lot of positives along the way too and and you know I feel this sense of sisterhood with this of that we're we're in this together in which which is why for me connection was so vital and important and realizing that like my body has my back that's a relationship you know relationships with people like you guys who are doing so much to connect and help others on their journey and to see that 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 yeah there's some beautiful moments along the way and you know some of the people that i went to treatment with or that who helped me on my journey i i love like they're important relationships in my life you know one of my recent therapists like she's somebody that i just value and i think the world of so so yeah i, th I think it's important to try to reframe negative thoughts and also just help ourselves have a better perspective sometimes not all the time but to try to see the positive side sometimes yeah yeah just sort of turn it around and see it from the other direction see what it see what it says there so a lot of times you know we you, i imagine you've had this experience too where you're talking to a, a person or a group of people who are are really struggling and they might be listening to this thinking like that is all fun and well but that isn't going to happen for me it's not possible for me so for that person who's who's listening and thinking that like well that sounds great rachel you know that sounds terrific jillian but that's not going to happen for me what would you say to that person uh well first of all i've been there i have also been in that seat where i'm like this is bogus i don't believe any of this at all it might be nice for you so i've i've been there and that i think it's okay to have those thoughts and i think it's okay to struggle and to feel like recovery seems so far in the distance but what i would say is hold on to those slight mini steps forward sure if you don't believe in the whole nine yards of recovery can you just wrap your head around today just treating yourself a little bit nicer than you did yesterday you know can you help yourself to eat breakfast today just because you want to show yourself a little bit more love because i think that as you continue to do that you will start to see those little shines and those little glimmers and and think like oh i can do this and i do deserve to do this you know and i i think that that's the most important is just these little milestones you know like you don't need to eat the whole elephant today and that's probably like a terrible pun or something <laughs> but but just little little wins and and to know that even if it doesn't ring true to you that you are good enough and that you do deserve it and to to remind yourself sometimes of that, even if it doesn't ring true, because like we were talking with rewiring your brain, eventually that will start to resonate with you and to seem more true as it goes on. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that that's underscores so much of just take it day by day, take it minute by minute, take it, you know, little bit as it comes and all of those will, will add up into something larger and move along. And you might be really surprised to find yourself in a months, years, days, weeks, talking about how different it could be and is. So I really appreciate that perspective. 
One sort of last question. When you think ahead and, and sort of hope for the future for people with eating disorders and recovery and sort of thinking ahead, what, what else do you see yourself doing? What do you hope that you are sort of putting out there in, in addition to the, the sort of beautiful goodness and light you put out there with your work so far? What are you hoping will continue to come out from your work and your sharing your story? Um, connection. You know, I wrote my story because I wanted to connect with others who were going through similar challenges. This idea that we're all in this together and we're all at different places on our journey. So for me, it's, I mean, it's, it's happening right now. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm so honored to be on your podcast. This is such a good opportunity to connect with other people in the community. You know, I spent such a long time, uh, my entire thirties, pretty much of, of isolating. And so for me, what I want in the future is to spend more time in engaging, more time sharing, more time supporting one another. And in, in whatever way that I possibly can with this, I, I saw writing my story as kind of a launching off pad for what else can I do, which is why I've started to do this blog on a weekly basis, because to me, it's a way to continue to, to connect and to try to engage with other people. And, you know, this has really taught me the whole just that we are connected, this whole connection. You are not alone. And, and that for me is, is the future of this is, you know, especially going through COVID, you know, it's easy to feel even more isolated uh, with living in a pandemic, you know. And I think the most important thing right now is to reach out and, and to feel like we have each other's backs and we are all in this together. It's not a competition. The more of us that, that reach recovery, the better you know, and the more of us that live in a, in a happy and healthy life, you know, and that there is joy that we can experience in our futures. So I think that is what you were asking. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be with you in that world. That's so well said. That's <laughs> just, just beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your story with us today, for joining us on the podcast, for putting your yourself out there and, and really, I think, celebrating that connection and, and all the beauty that comes in recovery. So we really appreciate you sharing your time with us today. Thank you so much. And thank you again so much for having me and all the beautiful uh, work that you guys do too. And thanks for listening for, for uh, um, all of you. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you'd like to learn more about the Emily Program and what we do, visit emilyprogram.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Emily Program. Peacemail is produced by Angie Mitchell and Nancy Linden with music by Dan Forkey. Thanks for listening.